Amen. Our uh, other scripture readings this morning, uh, we have two. We have one from the Old Testament and one from the New Testament as well. Our, our Old Testament reading is from the prophet Isaiah, chapter 40, verses 1 through 11. Let's listen together for the word of God. Comfort, O comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her that she has served her term, that her penalty is paid, that she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. A voice cries out, in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be lifted up and every mountain and hill be made low. The uneven ground shall become level and the rough places a plain. Then the glory of the Lord shall be revealed and all people shall see it together. For the mouth of the Lord is spoken. A voice says, cry out. And I said, what shall I cry? All people are grass. Their constancy is like the flower of the field. The grass withers, the flower fades. When the breath of the Lord blows upon it, surely the people are grass. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. Get you up to a high mountain, O Zion, herald of good things. Lift up your voice with strength. O Jerusalem, herald of good tidings, lift it up, do not fear. Say to the cities of Judah, here is your God. See, the Lord God comes with might and his arm rules for him. His reward is with him and his recompense before him. He will feed his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms and carry them in his bosom and gently lead the mother sheep. And our New Testament reading comes from the Gospel of Mark, chapter 1. The beginning of the good news of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. As it is written in the prophet Isaiah, See, I am sending my messenger ahead of you, who will prepare your way. The voice of one crying out in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. John the baptizer appeared in the wilderness, proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And people from the whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem were going out to him, and were baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. Now John was clothed with camel's hair, with a leather belt around his waist, and he ate locusts and wild honey. He proclaimed, The one who is more powerful than I is coming after me. I am not worthy to stoop down and untie the thong of his sandals. I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. Word of God for the people of God. So uh, this Advent season, we are following the, the lectionary, uh, which if you're not familiar with that, it's a schedule of scripture readings to be used on certain days. The church I grew up in didn't use the lectionary to plan worship services, or if it did, I was blissfully unaware of that fact. So when I first learned about it, it took me a little while to kind of wrap my head around some of the choices that the lectionary makes for certain days. For example... The readings for Advent were kind of a head-scratcher for me. Like, we're supposed to be eagerly awaiting the arrival of cute little baby Jesus. But last week, the Gospel reading was that bleak prediction from Jesus, adult Jesus, that when he comes back, the sun will burn out, and the stars will fall from the sky, and the heavens and earth will pass away. And this week, maybe, we could be hearing about the angel appearing to Mary, or old man Zechariah getting his voice back, 
or the time John the Baptist did a little fetus dance in Elizabeth's womb <laughs> because Jesus was nearby. But no. We have this reading from the Gospel of Mark in which the author skips right over Mary's pregnancy, skips right over the birth of Jesus, and instead starts with a probably smelly and definitely malnourished wilderness prophet down by the river baptizing people who repent of their sins. It's an image that, for some reason, has not made its way onto a Hallmark greeting card <laughs> to send to your family, friends, and business associates during the holidays. It's a decidedly unsentimental choice for Advent. So what gives? Well, our reading this morning, which is the introduction to the Gospel of Mark, begins with a familiar phrase, the beginning. With these words, Mark is echoing, echoing another famous big beginning, the introduction to the book of Genesis, to the creation story, in which God takes the formless chaos of existence and transforms it into something new and beautiful and orderly. John does the same thing with his gospel, which begins with, in the beginning, and jumps straight to John the Baptist. These choices are not just an homage to the writers of Genesis. Mark and John are painting a theological picture. For them, the arrival of Jesus was a new beginning. And not just a little new beginning, a huge new beginning. Something on the same level as the creation of the universe. They are saying that with the arrival of Jesus, a recreation of the universe is about to take place. Maybe not a recreation of the world that God has made, but a recreation of the world that we have made. Through Jesus, God will take the chaos of our spiritual, religious, social, and political existence and shape it into something new and beautiful. So the lectionary today puts this story into Advent not because the world is waiting for the birth of a Savior. That already happened 2,000 years ago. The lectionary puts this story into Advent because what we are always waiting for in every time and in every place is a new beginning in our lives. Mark says that city folks and country folks were all rushing out to the river to confess their sins and emerge from the Jordan River feeling clean and whole again. They were looking for new beginnings and hoping that they would get one if they could just get right with God. What sorts of new beginnings were they after? Well, on the personal level, they were probably looking for the same sorts of new beginnings that you and I are. The sick wanted healthy bodies, and the lonely wanted meaningful relationships. The poor wanted work that sustains them, and everyone wanted a spirituality that fulfills them and assures them and gives them purpose. But on the communal level, they were also looking for something even bigger, a new beginning for their people. Their community had been broken by the violence and injustice of an empire. And this is something that links our readings from the Old Testament and the New Testament this morning. In Isaiah, the people are exiled to conquering Babylon and hoping for God's deliverance to come from the wilderness. And in Mark, Israel is being occupied by Rome. Both of these passages take place in the context of empire, and in both, the people are waiting for their community to be released from oppression and healed. Now, at the time of John and Jesus, there were some folks the Pharisees especially, who thought that the sins of the people were what was preventing Israel from being liberated. 
They believed that if there was just one day in which every Jewish person managed to avoid sinning, then God would send the Messiah to rescue them. And passages like the one from Isaiah this morning imagined the preparations that would be made for that Messiah's victorious army to return. The roads would need to be made straight and level and smooth for the celebration. But Jesus was not the kind of Messiah who would be marching in with an army to destroy his enemies. Instead, he arrived as a helpless infant behind enemy lines. This unexpected development required an adjustment of expectations. So when John appeared in the wilderness as the voice crying out so that everyone would hear, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight, he was not proposing a shovel-ready infrastructure project. <laughs> expectations had changed. Preparing for this savior does not involve making way for a conquering army. It means something else. When Jesus began his ministry, he announced good news for the poor and liberation for the oppressed. But he did not create a new religion. He did not form a new political faction. Instead, he taught about inner transformation. Not because he thought religion and politics were irrelevant, but because personal transformation and social transformation go hand in hand. Transformed hearts and minds and spirits are necessary for transforming religion and politics. So the roads that require straightening and leveling and smoothing out for this Savior are in our own hearts and our own minds. Although there are also literal roads that need this. As Pittsburghers, you probably know this. <laughs> Seriously, have you guys seen the Last Week Tonight episode where John Oliver talks about infrastructure? Yeah. yeah. The Greenfield Bridge is in it. Someone needs to do something. People are going to get hurt. We are living in strange times when prominent Christians are crying out not to encourage others to prepare the way for the values of Jesus, but for the values of empire. They are crying out in favor of violence and exclusion and greed and not for peace and justice. This is nothing new, though, really. Ever since the first Christian emperor of Rome, Christians have been tempted by power to betray the kingdom of God. God knows we could use a revival right about now. So let's get ready for it. Let's listen to the voice crying out in the wilderness. Let's straighten and level and smooth out our own ignorance and selfishness. Let's confess our sins and emerge from the healing waters of God's mercy, ready to prepare the way for the kingdom of God. Will you pray with me? God, our fears and prejudices run deep. Sometimes we can only see our own point of view. We stick with those who are like us, rarely venturing outside our comfort zones. We do not hear those crying for justice and true peace. We blame those who are suffering and in need instead of standing by them. We deny the power of your gospel to unite us with those who are different from us. Lord, give us eyes to see and ears to hear. Open us to new possibilities of life for all of your people and use us to enact the new life given in Christ. 
By his work, we are reconciled and united with you and with one another. And we are thankful for that good news. Amen.